Howdy folks and welcome to the Hunting Stories Podcast. I'm your host Michael and we've got a great one for you today. Today we're going to hear a couple stories from Jim Huntsman. If you aren't familiar with Jim, you need to be. He's the host of the Western Huntsman Podcast. Uh, it's amazing. It's one of my personal favorites. Um, I won't go too in-depth here because he's going to in the episode a little bit, uh, but you guys are in for a treat. Uh, today he tells us two stories. The first one he uh, of an injury that he got when he was younger and his first white-tailed deer. It's disgusting, um, and I hope you enjoy it because it's hilarious. So um, I'm going to stop there. I don't want to ruin any details. Let's go ahead and let Jim tell you his stories. All right, Jim. Welcome to the Hunting Stories Podcast. How are you doing, sir? Hey, man. I'm pretty good. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. <laughs> I haven't good. recorded a podcast in a few weeks. And uh, you're the first one to jump back on, and I couldn't be more excited, man. I told you before the show, I love what you do. I love your podcast. Um, I think you're writing a book too, and I'm super excited for that to come out, unless I'm wrong and it's already come out. But uh, oh, it's not out yet, man. I'm only, I'm only <laughs> like half finished with it, dude, because I'm a terrible writer, and I, I I go back and critique it too much. I need to stop doing that and finish it. Yeah, that's all right, man. It's about the passion that I know you have behind the subject that you're writing about. So I'm excited for when that comes out. But let's kick this thing off with you introducing yourself, uh, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, well, I'm, I'm Jim Huntsman, uh, the host of the Western Huntsman podcast. Uh, I lifelong hunter, grew up uh, out west here. I grew up in Utah, uh, left Utah in 1999 for, for the military. And uh, after the military, I came up to North Idaho and uh, with the exception of a few years back down in Utah for a job I took, I've been I've been up in North Idaho ever since, man. And so super passionate about elk hunting, bear hunting, deer hunting. It depends on what season it is, because if, if you ask me during turkey season, turkey is my favorite thing to hunt. But, uh, <laughs> you know, come September, obviously, elk, elk is my favorite thing to hunt. So uh, I, I love hunting all of it and I love protecting hunting. And I, I see you know, some of the things that we, we have challenge wise, uh, facing us in the future. And, um, I'm really enthusiastic about protecting that and, and helping hunters kind of come together and, and protect what, what we do have, because we have a beautiful thing, man, in America, it's yeah, great to be American. We're free. Uh, we have, we have public land systems that are just unheard of throughout the world. And we have a great wildlife management system, uh, through hunting and it's just a great thing. And, and I'm, I'm passionate about it and I'm passionate about talking about it and, and defending it. Yeah, I, man, and you, you show it. And so everyone listening, please check out Jim's podcast. It is one of my personal favorites. I think the, the Western Huntsman and Elk Bros and Elk Shape are like the three that I listen to every episode on. So, man, and, and Hey, we got, we got good, good taste together, man. I, I love Elk Shape <laughs> and, and the Elk Bros. Yeah, they're They're all good guys. So, uh, I've, yeah. I've now actually had all of the elk bros on except for Chav. So the ninja, I got to get the ninja on. Yeah, you got to get him um, on, man. Yeah, but he's so soft spoken. Like, I, I, <laughs> I, it's going to be, it's either going to be just like very quiet and not much of anything because he doesn't want to talk, or it'll be the most epic episode we've ever had. Because yeah, I heard totally. when he talks, the elk listen, like elk shut up and listen. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> awesome. You should get him on, man. I, I've actually never heard him in a in, on a podcast by himself, but. I'm getting Joe on uh, the show in the next couple of weeks to kind of recap his season. He had a great season. Uh, yeah. So I always love talking to Joe, super enthusiastic guy. Yeah. Couldn't be, couldn't be a kinder human too. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Well, well, cool, Jim. Well, you know, I mean, you know how this thing works. We don't beat around the bush. We don't really go do anything extracurricular. We just want to hear your favorite stories. 
So if you have one in mind, why don't you kind of set the stage for us? Yeah, I, I kind of did. When you first asked me, I'm like, man, you know, it's not I, I've listened to a couple of your episodes and these guys have really good stories that, you know, uh, of, <laughs> of just these epic hunts, you know, going after bighorn sheep and, and all this stuff. And it's just not really me. Uh, my, my, it's interesting being a podcast host in the hunting space, because I'm not like your Aaron Schneiders or your Chris Rose or, or these guys with this, these crazy tags they've had and crazy amounts of success. I'm like your average hunter. Sometimes yeah. I, I feel a tag and sometimes I don't. And so I really racked my brain, but I, I do have, uh, a couple interesting stories. And you know what? Average hunters are who we want to hear from. I've got a bunch of stories and I'm a below average hunter. So I'm excited <laughs> to hear what you have. Well, I, I'm definitely below average. I'm just good at talking about it sometimes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'll, I'll set the stage, man. I, I mentioned uh, kind of in the introduction there. I, when I, when I left Utah uh, back in 99, I, I joined the Marines and um, the damn recruiter told me that I was going to be stationed in California, which would have, uh, you know, boded well for a Western hunter. And, and I would have been fine driving to the, the States close to, to California or what, and even hunting California, California is yeah. actually an underrated hunted state, uh, hunting state. So anyway, point being, I, I get, I, I go through boot camp, right. And, and I, uh, become a Marine. Uh, and then I, what, what I had done is signed up for the infantry. And so they send me to School of Infantry School, which is out in San Diego, California, Camp Pendleton, California. I go through that still. I'd be stationed there. And as as infantry school comes to a close. We get our orders and I'm one of there's like 30 of us in this in this company, yeah, a graduating company. And I'm like one of eight people that they're like, oh, yeah, no, you're going to Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. And I'm like, what the hell's with that? Where is North Carolina? I don't even know where it's at, you know? And they're like, yeah, you're going to North Carolina with uh, second battalion, second Marines, whatever. I'm like shit, that sucks. That's a long way from elk hunting and, and everything that I was yes, used to. Is. Right. How long so, ago was this? Now there's a couple, you know, Kentucky, Pennsylvania, there's elk, yeah, yeah, they're getting elk over there. Yeah. But, they're but getting how long elk ago, there. how long ago was this? This, this was 1999. This would have been okay. like June of no. No, no, no. This would have been like uh, end of July of 1999 when I get my orders to go to Camp Lejeune. Uh, and I, I'd never honestly, I'd never even heard of Camp Lejeune. Um, my recruiter left everything east of the Mississippi out uh, by convenience or, or something. So anyway, they put me on a plane and I fly to Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina. And it's July. Right. And if anybody has never experienced the heat which you're about to, cause you're moving to Texas. He said, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that <laughs> yep. on the show, actually. That's okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, it's fine. A anyway, if you, if you've never experienced the heat and humidity of the Southeast, uh, you don't know what you're missing. Like yeah. there's no point <laughs> in even, even taking a shower in the morning because you'll be sweating by six 30 in the morning. And I get off this plane and I'm like, what is this? This is like sorcery. Hey, what is this shit? And I'm sweating <laughs> and dying. Yeah. The bugs, the bugs everywhere. everything. Oh, and, they put me on a bus and base the base is like two hours from the airport. Right. And so I'm like, okay, cool. I'll get to check out the countryside. It's still daylight. Uh, and I see these little ass deer on the drive back uh, on, on our way to Camp Lejeune, these little deer and they're whitetail. And for a dude that grew up in Utah, I'd never actually seen a whitetail before. 
I, I mean, that wasn't true. I'd make a, made a couple trips trips back east when I was in high school or whatever, but never really paid attention to them. Yeah. So now I'm really paying attention to them because here I am. They're, they're like, you know, you're going to the East Coast, the Camp Lejeune into the South and uh, right on coastal North Carolina. Never been there. And I'm, I'm thinking, OK, I'm stuck here for four years. I have to go and I have to live on <laughs> at Camp Lejeune for four years. And so I have to get used to this thing and figure out how I'm going to hunt it, because, you know, it wasn't any different back then than it is now. Hunting was life. And so uh, driving, driving on the bus, looking out the window, looking at all these little deer in these fields, the, the difference uh, and, and I guess a big surprise. In fact, um, I had this conversation on my show today uh, earlier for a recording, but a huge epiphany for me once I got to North Carolina and got settled in, I went out to town and bought me this little truck, this little Ford Ranger. Uh, and so I can kick around North Carolina and check out all these spots to hunt and fish because I, I love to do both. And I even bought a little $800 bass boat. That was a piece of shit and left me stranded on the <laughs> river many times. Uh, I I'm getting out there and getting settled in. Um, and that uh, during the time off that you get from the Marines, I'm in my truck looking for places to hunt because remember I get there at the end of July and hunting season's coming up oh, yeah. and I was surprised to learn, you know, where I grew up, you could buy one deer tag and you could shoot one deer and that was it. Well, I was surprised to find out that you could do for 40 bucks, you get what they called the uh, sportsman's permit. And that gave you six whitetail. Uh, you could shoot like two bears, uh, all your pheasant and upland game, uh, waterfowl. You still had to get the duck stamp, you know, but you st still hunt waterfowl and, and your fishing license and, and small game and all that kind of stuff. So I, I spend the 40 bucks and get this tag, this permit. And get in the truck and I start looking around all over North Carolina. I'm just, you know, this is back before, uh, I, I mean, the, the internet obviously existed. Uh, I didn't have it and, and I didn't have an email <laughs> back then and, and nobody had cell phones, you know, only rich people had cell phones. I felt like, yeah. and so, um, there's no Onyx, there's no base map, there's no hunt, you, you know, um, gosh, I'm drawing a blank. On it. Uh, it, what is that company called? Why am I drawing yeah. a blank on that? Not go sure hunt. which one you're trying go to hunt. go uh, hunt. Sorry, okay. go hunt. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> There's no Eastman's tag hub. There's none, none of this stuff, right? No hunt so, wise. Yeah, all yeah, that stuff. none of that. And so uh, what I did is I, I went I went to this store and I bought, you know, this map and and it didn't really it doesn't do a good job of pointing out, you know, what's public land, what's private land. And uh, again, growing up out west, this is how we were how I was raised, man, is is we hunted, we fished, we camped all summer long. We were on public land. We we're in the national forest. Uh, areas of of Idaho and and Wyoming and Utah and uh, we even went into Colorado a few times in Nevada and it was just a it was a normal thing you you just jump on a dirt road and you're on public land you can camp anywhere we didn't go to campgrounds we didn't go to like designated camp spots where you pay a fee to stay the night we just went and pulled off in some primitive spot and either set up tents or parked our trailers and and this is what life was this is what we did right yeah. So getting out there, I'm cruising all these roads, trying to find these areas to, to go off and do this kind of stuff. Cause that's, that's what I knew. And all I see are no trespassing signs everywhere. There's like no trespassing here, no trespassing there. And, and it's, it's crazy to me. There's no mountains at coastal North Carolina is like Kansas with trees. If you cleared <laughs> all the trees out, 
you'd That's be able true. to watch your dog run away for three days because it's so flat <laughs> And, and it's just, that's, that's what it is. That's coastal North Carolina. And there's these big goddamn, uh, cotton mouth snakes around every corner, uh, which I hated. I, I, I'd much rather prefer to have these, uh, you know, rattlesnakes I was used to back home. <laughs> the point is, is I, I, I couldn't find anywhere to hunt. Uh, I couldn't find public land. All the fields were private. Everything was private property. Everything was posted. And none of the locals liked military guys being stationed in their state, trying to hunt their land. And so getting permission was like next to impossible. Finally, I find this chunk of uh, national forest. It's a very small chunk of national, like you're in Colorado, right? Right now. Yep. Yep. Like, you know, you can get in the national forest there and spend a week without seeing anybody else. Not uh, during not, hunting season, but the rest well, of the Well, maybe, maybe not during hunting season. <laughs> but, uh, but, but here, this, this little chunk of uh, uh, public land was called the Crotan National Forest. And uh, had a river kind of running through. It had a couple of random little lakes out there. Um, and, it, it, you know, I, I wish I could compare the size, but it's like when like I, I, where I live now, if you cross the highway from my property, you go into the Coeur d'Alene National Forest and you can get lost in there and nobody will ever find you. It's huge. Yeah. It's yeah. wildly huge. And this is not like that. The Crotan National Forest has like four roads going through it. And uh, you just really won't get lost. You're going to come out the other side at some point and, and find a highway. So I'm, I'm scouting this area and, and I'm, I'm like, OK, I've got to be I, I'm obviously not going to be the only dude that knows this is public land. And so uh, but I want to get a whitetail. I've never shot a whitetail buck and and, and, and I really want one. And so I, I'm kind of scouting. I'm looking at all these roads and I find this this end of it. Uh, I want to say it was like the, the West end of the, the forest, the national forest. Okay. I, I now, find real quick, this, Jim, are you, yeah, go archery, ahead. Or rifle, are you archery or rifle hunting? <laughs> so at this point I'm, I'm rifle hunting. Okay. I hadn't even started archery hunting yet at this point. Um, I, I had actually, uh, when you're in the military, they have these stores on base called the PX and that's where it's called the, you know, the post exchange. It's like a Walmart in a way, <laughs> in a sense. And that's where you <laughs> could buy all your everything you know they have like a sporting goods department they have where you could buy you know uniforms and groceries and all this stuff so i go into the px a couple months prior to this and put this 30-06 with some chintzy ass scope on it you know on layaway uh and it, it was like a 250 dollars rifle that took me two months to pay off because you don't make much in the military uh especially back then so i was i was planning to rifle hunt so uh, i'm out i'm out scouting and I'd sighted in this 30 out six deer season in, is in uh, like a month at this point. I, I'm still a month away. Uh, and I find this dead end road, this dirt road. I follow, I, I follow up this dirt road and all of a sudden it's like a dead end. Uh, the road actually keeps going, but you know how they'll dig like a culvert out uh, to yep. keep people from driving up it. There's yep. one of those. And there are these signs posted on the tree that said paradise hunting club. And I'm like, okay, so this is like private land where people pay to go hunt or whatever. Okay, so that's where I need to pause that part of it. And I need to back up about two, two weeks. Or, uh, uh, well, yeah, about a month, because we're getting we're getting close to October at this point. Hunting season's okay. not not far out, but you, we need to back up into like August. If anybody listening has been in the Marines, they will know what I'm talking about. And they will know the pain when I say. Marines like to run. They love to make you run. 
and and Mike, I I, I freaking hate running, dude. Um, I still <laughs> hate you, running. I I'm hate running. It is like for me, it's uh, it was I, I played high school ball and uh, they they'd make us run and I almost quit high school ball over it. Uh, I so then I joined the Marines. You don't have the choice of quitting, but you have to you have <laughs> to run, 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 run. So four times a week, there's morning PT. You're out there six o'clock in the morning and you're running like three miles in the goal. And I was pretty good at it, man. I hit I hit a I, I did a three mile minute or I'm sorry. <laughs> that'd be yeah, that wow <laughs> three miles in 18 minutes uh, uh was my best that's, time and that's that's like a perfect score good. in the marines that's that's kind yeah. of what the goal is you know yeah i'm nowhere near um, that i've uh i don't think i've ever i don't think if you combine all the running i've done in my life gotten to three miles yet so i don't think i could do three miles in 18 minutes on a four-wheeler today uh, that's how <laughs> slow i am now <laughs> and so <laughs> so i the point is is i hate running well one little thing, and you know, I used to be embarrassed to tell this story, but I, I'm just not anymore. It's just, it is what it is, right? Something that can happen when you run a lot is a thing called testicular torsion. And it's where your <laughs> okay. giblets are bouncing so much that they'll actually start twisting up inside your body. And it no is no way. Mike, it is fucking <laughs> excruciating pain. Okay. Like it is super, super painful. I believe it, man. So we're on this like battalion run, you know, Camp Lejeune. We're doing the cadence, you know, ah, da, 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 and, and running on base. It's, you know, whatever time in the morning early. And and um, all of a sudden I felt like I really had to pee. And I'm like, fuck, I got to I'm like going to have to fall out of this run to go pee in the woods or something and then catch back up. I really had to pee and I started slowing down and kind of moving out of the formation and all of a sudden I get this God awful, excruciating pain, uh, down oh in the, in, in the region. Right. And I yeah. basically, I basically fall over in the road and I'm just holding down there because this testicular torsion, had hit me. And yeah, so real it, quick, is yeah. this like a thing that over time built up and then it got to the point where you all of a sudden were like, Oh shit. Or was this just like, boom, like twist. For me, it was boom and twist, but it, it is something that would have built up. I just didn't okay. notice it. I Got just it. didn't notice it. And and so they're like, uh, <clears throat> at first, you know, I'm one of the newer Marines. So they're like yelling and screaming, what the hell's wrong with you? You know, get up and get back in formation, start running, what, blah, blah, blah. And, and then they realize, no, this dude's like hurt, man. Uh, we need it. We need to get him over to the hospital. So they take me. In and the is, it, is it? Is it? Is it? I got to ask this because this go is ahead. Yeah, no, nothing go I've ahead, ever man. heard of in my life. Is this a pain like? When you get kicked in the nuts, right? It's kind of in the lower abdomen that it hurts. Is this lower abdomen pain or is this actual testicular it's in the, pain? It's in the nuts, man. And it is oh in the lower God. abdomen. Like it is terrible. All of it. It, it radiates up your back and everything. I mean, it, it was it was the worst pain I've ever felt. And I've been in a lot of pain before. <laughs> and Jeez, so, okay. So what happens to prevent that for anybody that might be listening that's thinking about joining the Marines or just as a is is a big time runner. It's not something that happens to everybody, right? I mean, you can, a lot of people, they'll run five times a week their whole life and never have this. Other people, it, it'll get you. So uh, you, you have to support, pardon my French, but you have to you have to support your balls when you go running, like wear, wear the tighter <laughs> underwear kind of thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, because it's the bouncing that did it to me uh, as per the doctor. And so they, uh, so this is what happened. And, and it was, there was not, it's not like I knew this was coming. I had no warning of it. It was just suddenly, all of a sudden I had this God awful pain and fell out of this run. 
And next thing I know, I'm in a Humvee and they're taking me over to uh, the Naval Hospital. It, the, the Marine Corps does not have a medical uh, division or, or, or part of it. Everything is, is run through the Navy. And so I, I'm at the, the hospital and they're, they're kind of telling me what's going on. And, and they're like, OK, so basically we have to um, we have to open up the sack and tack those bad boys back down. Right. And it's, yeah. it's, it's a surgery. Untwist them. Do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They have to kind of unfuck the whole thing. And it, it sucks. Yeah. And so the problem is, is I had to wait like three weeks or something for, for this to, to happen. So back to the story where I was scouting and found this dead end road where it said Paradise Hunting Club. That was like a week before I was going to have the surgery and like a week before season opened. And um, so what was it? What was it like during that gap? Like it was obviously a bad boom, like right when yeah, you did it. But for those three weeks, was it they, they were was it, able to like get them kind of back into place, just you know, grabbing like, the shit and messing with it, you know, <laughs> tugging <laughs> and pulling. <laughs> yeah. So so they kind of did that and they got them set and and they just they in the military they call it light duty. They put me on light duty. I'm not allowed to like go running. I'm not allowed to go training in the field, no jumping out of helicopter, nothing, you know, uh, yeah. you just basically stand around at the barracks and you answer phones and, and, uh, you know, make your bed and shit. I don't know. I don't even remember what I did back then, but, yeah. um, so that's what I did for like three weeks. And, and finally, uh, I was still out there uh, looking for spots to hunt. And I finally found this national forest and found, uh, this, this road I'm telling you about, well, I'm like a week out from getting surgery and um, a little over a week before deer season starts. And I am determined, man, to go hunting. And so I tried to get the doc to either bump my surgery forward or push it back. And this is before I knew anything about whitetail hunting. I didn't know that, you know, because season there went from like October to December. I didn't know that they'd be running in November and that'd be a better time to hunt. So I, yeah. I really this is what happens when before technology exists and there's uh, you know, podcasts out there to learn all this kind of stuff. So, uh, I find, I find this spot and, and my thinking was, okay, I don't know anything about whitetail hunting, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to park up this road and I'm going to hike in a few hundred yards off this road and wait for these dudes on this private hunting club, paradise hunting club. I say their name in case they are uh, still around and, and I, I hope they get butt hurt. Uh, about me <laughs> hunting right on the border, right on the border, because I, I I set like ten feet off the uh, where the where the private property boundary was, hoping that they'd chase a buck off. So I go in and I have this surgery on a Monday. Deer season opened on a Wednesday, and uh, the Monday you have the surgery. And, you know, you, they put you under and everything. I mean, it's a major surgery. I, they put me under and, and like I wake up several hours later, my balls are the size of cantaloupe and <laughs> uh, they've got like me all bandaged up and they give me a ride back to the barracks and say, OK, Huntsman, you're on bed rest for two weeks. You're not allowed to leave your room. Um, you have to stay on bed rest and, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, OK, um, well, that ain't going to happen because it's deer season. <laughs> the whole the whole battalion like goes on this training thing out in the field. When you go in the field, you spend the night. You know, you're they're out somewhere else in Camp Lejeune, spending the night uh, doing training and whatnot. So I'm like there alone, and I go on opening morning and waddled my ass from the barracks to where my truck was parked out in the parking lot. 
And when I say waddled, I, I mean, I'm not kidding you, man. I, you, I could, I could barely walk and you have to walk. You Dedication. remember the cartoon? What was that cartoon? The Yosemite Sam, how bullegged he was after, yeah. you know, from riding his horse, all that. That's kind of what I look like walking out to my truck. And so <laughs> I'm, I'm just kind of waddling out to my truck, load everything up. And I go out there and park the truck. You know, it's, it's just about sunrise and whatnot. Uh, get my stuff on and, and, and I'm thinking, you know, this isn't like the West where I grew up. I'm not hiking miles in. I'm only going like 300 yards max to sit on this spot where I found that had this trail and it was a pretty highly used trail coming out of the paradise hunting club. And so that's what I was doing. Hang on, <clears throat> park the truck. And I start walking in and immediately I realize that Walking on the grass from the barracks to the parking lot was one thing, but walking in the forest of North Carolina, <laughs> which is pretty damn brushy and uneven, is a totally other thing, a totally new thing. And it was it was super painful. I, I took like four ibuprofens and I'm walking in uh, and, and it takes me it takes me a good two hours because, gosh, what time what time of day was that? I I think I I. I parked the truck at like six. You could barely see light in the sky. It was it was longer than that because I remember it was like 920. This is back in the day when I wore a wristwatch. And it was like 920 when I finally got to this spot. And I was sore as all get out. And and I just <laughs> I found this spot where I can I could see this trail. Uh, oh, let me back up just a sec, because on the drive in, this was this this will blow your mind for anybody that hasn't ever hunted in like North Carolina. These dudes go out with dogs to hunt deer. And it's the craziest oh. damn thing. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. What they do is they they actually take like, have you ever seen the, the front seat on a bass boat? You know, those little like stool yeah. looking seats with yep. the, and they swivel and all that. They like mount those to their toolboxes or the back of their truck. And they pull up with okay. the dogs and they sit on those with their rifle and they release the dogs and the hounds go into the woods and apparently chase deer back to them. And so this is opening day deer season. So these locals, these uh, major like these are true blue southerners. Right. And <laughs> like the kind you can barely understand what they're saying, but they're good dudes. And so I, I was kind of BSing with it, with one of them because they were they were getting their spot early. So when I'm pulling in on the dirt road, these guys are parked on the side and I roll my window down and. This guy's telling me, well, you're not going to get a deer uh, without without dogs. And I'm like, what do you mean without dogs? What are you talking about? You hunt deer with dogs? <laughs> I've never even heard of anyone hunting deer with yeah, dogs. Yeah, right? I, I hadn't either. And I'm like, this isn't pheasant hunting, man. Like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, yeah, no, you goddamn you ain't going to get no deer without a dog. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, wow. <laughs> I understand every other word, and I think you're wrong. I'm going to go try to get a deer anyway. And so... Uh, I leave that guy and I go and I park and, and again, it takes me like over three hours to walk into the spot and again, 300 yards, maybe. Yeah. And I sit down and by this time, it's obviously past 9am. It's, it's super bright. It's, uh, and I thought I'd kind of blown it and didn't realize it was going to take me so long to, to waddle in there with my recent surgery. And this, uh, I can hear in the distance hounds going nuts and barking and and like they're chasing deer for these dudes back on the main road which was like a mile away but i could still hear i could still hear the dogs going crazy so i just sat there 
And uh, again, I sat down. It took me, I don't know, five minutes to, to sit down with the, the type of injury I had. Well, surgery I had had. It was pretty <laughs> sensitive trying to sit I down. I mean, I'm just going to bring say, like one I, of those donut pillows. Right. <laughs> I needed something, man. My balls hurt. And, and it was, it was pretty extreme. So it took me, it took me a while to sit down. And so I sit down, I get settled in, I, you know, check my rifle, make sure my scopes, you know, set in that position number three or whatever, a pretty close shot. And I'm just kind of watching this trail and it wasn't 10, maybe 15 minutes go by. And I hear something walking down the trail and I, I'm not, this is the funniest damn thing. Not even kidding you. This uh, what they call a six point, I, I would have called it a three point, uh, three point buck all of a sudden appears on this trail and all that homework I had done on this, this private hunting club, right? I I'm like, okay, this is a deer hunting club. That's all they do. They don't do anything else. They deer hunt on it. And you have to purchase a lease. Cause I looked into it after I'd first initially found it. Yeah. And, and, and I saw this trail prior to the surgery I'd hiked in there. It took me like five minutes and found this trail. And, and I'm like, the only thing that makes sense is they're chasing the deer off this hunting club and pushing them into the national forest. And then the hound hunters on the other side were chasing them back to the hunting club. Right. And this is what I developed in my, you know, 18, 19 year old mind. <laughs> and, uh, I was right there. I, I could hear the hunters over on the hunting club talking and pulling in with trucks and blah, blah, blah. And this is a big area, but it's flat. So you can, you can hear a long ways. It's just heavily wooded. And I could hear them and, and they sure as shit, they pushed this buck towards the national forest on that trail that I had found. And, um, he's, he's a little three point and like, dude, deer in coastal North Carolina are super small. They're not like, you know, whitetails in North Idaho or, or, you know, like a Colorado whitetail or a Texas whitetail or a Sas yeah. Saskatchewan uh, whitetail, you know, Nothing like that. I mean, these things are a glorified golden retriever with spikes on their head. And so <laughs> he comes moving down the trail and I'm like, holy crap, this thing's 40 yards from me. He has no idea I'm here. I raise my rifle and the trail kind of drops down a little bit into kind of this swampy area. There's a lot of swamps in, in coastal North Carolina. Uh, and, and it's like real tarry, dark, black water looking stuff. And it's the, the trail kind of follows, goes down towards that as if they go down there, drink water, and then kind of make their way back into the forest. Uh, and he was kind of on that trajectory when he came into my scope and I pulled the trigger. The deer drops <laughs> like a bag of potatoes. I'm, uh, I'm so worried about you right now in this story, but go ahead. So the shot <laughs> on a 30 out six hurt my balls. If you're wondering, yes, it hurt. <laughs> I'm worried hurt. about the pack out, man, but go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're getting there. I know. I know we are. It, it gets better because the deer doesn't just drop on the trail. Remember the swamp I told you about? Oh, the deer, no, okay. yep. the deer falls into the swamp. <laughs> in the swamp. And I'm again. Uh, I'm just a surgery two days ago. I, I pull myself up and I'm using my rifle to kind of as like almost a crutch to get myself back on my feet. And I'm looking down there and I, you know, I've got my hunter orange on. I think I'm in a pair of like Wranglers and cowboy boots too, uh, because that's <laughs> what I wore back then, you know, and, and I'm looking down there and I don't see the deer. I, I, and I'm, it's like, you know, I, I saw him drop in my scope. I know he's dead. 
I've seen a lot of deer go down at this point in my life. I know he's dead. I just, I just can't see him. And so I start waddling over to where he was. And I see this kind of splatter of blood on the, on the, uh, on the trail where he was standing. Uh, and I see like these marks where his hooves had kind of skifted up, but like a foot to the right is where the swamp started. So I look in the swamp and like two inches of one of his tines was sticking above the water and you can't even see inside. You can't see the deer at all because <laughs> it's so dark and nasty water. It looks like, it looks like oil, you know, almost. Oh no. Mm-hmm. Oh no. And so I, I stand there. And, and I'm just kind of looking um, at, at, at the fact that this, but it's not like it's right off the shore. Like this thing had kind of floated out several feet into, um, into the water. And it's not like it was knee deep. I mean, this shit was deep, obviously, because he yeah. sank and he was just, he was just kind of floating there. And I'm like, holy crap, man, how am I going to get this buck out? Because uh, another little factor here is there's alligators in, coastal North Carolina. And I didn't okay. know anything about alligators. I, you know, I grew, I grew up in the eighties and nineties where, you know, all we knew was crocodile Dundee. So I'm like, man, I don't know about this uh, alligator infested swamp. If I want to get this buck out, yeah. never, never mind. your like surgical wound in <laughs> yeah. swamp water. Ugh. Well, and that's what I didn't think about. Um, oh, I, no. I just, I just thought to myself, okay, I shot this buck. It's my first white tail my first whitetail buck I've ever killed in my life. I'm, I'm happier. I'm happier than a fat kid with a bag of Twinkies, man. I, I mean, I'd never, I, I'd never in a million years thought that I'd actually, I'd get a whitetail buck, uh, my first day <laughs> out of, of hunting. So I, I, I set my rifle down and I slowly start wading into the water thinking, hoping, praying that it's only, you know, a couple feet deep or whatever. Um, it's not, and it's real muddy on the bottom. My feet start sinking. I, uh, my, I took, uh, my cowboy boots off and was going in just my socks and I, I, I get into the water far enough where I can grab this buck and I'm waist deep at this point. My balls are underwater Oh no! Oh, and I no. start, <laughs> I start dragging this sucker back. And that's when it, it hit me that I wasn't supposed to shower or anything to get these things wet. Right. Because <laughs> I had this incision on my balls. But was not the, supposed the, to the get doctor away. never said submerge it in, in swamp water that he, he, he didn't say shit about <laughs> going in the in the swamp but uh, i didn't think about it so i'm in this swamp and that's when i realized i'm like oh man i am in trouble i'm gonna North carolina jungle bacteria in my balls yeah. and, and i'm done i'm done i'm toast uh and, and i i was like kind of it was panic mode but at the same time i'd already grabbed the antlers and was kind of slowly dragging him back towards the bank and so I, I was committed at this point. I'm like, okay, if I'm going to, if I'm going to die or lose my balls over the, over some kind of weird bacteria in this North Carolina swamp, <laughs> I I'm going to at least get my buck. And so I drag him to the shore. I make my way. I had to like sit down on my butt on the, on the shore and, and use only my arms to pull this buck out of the water because I, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't use my legs or anything for that. Right. Because it would have strained the, uh, what I had going on down there. And it took me about an hour to gut this deer. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm just like, everything is taken forever at this, by the time I get the buck out of the water gutted. And I even, I even cut the lower legs off to help me drag him out. Um, it's noon. It's like noon at this point. And so 
I have a 300 yard or so walk back to my truck uh, with this buck and I've got to drag him and I'm not supposed to, you know, like bed rest are like, don't lift over five pounds. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> <laughs> they're giving me all these instructions, post-op instructions or whatever. So long story short, um, by the time I get this buck back to my truck, which I mean, it, this was an inch at a time I had to, I had to like, kind of move my whole body you know i'm i'm I, I put my wet socks into my cowboy boots which didn't didn't help the situation i'd have to like take a step and kind of do this weird sideways bend over thing and grab the antlers and move him a little bit until i started filling it down in on the incision that i had like i, I would physically feel the pain start hitting that so i'd stop and I'd wait and I'd bend down and I'd move them like an another few inches or whatever. And this went on for a long time. I mean, it was almost dark by the time I got back to my truck. And remember how I told you they dug that little culvert thing to keep people from driving into the private ranch? Well, they left a hill on that side. So I turned my truck around and backed it up to that hill and dropped the tailgate to where, you know, the hill basically made it even. Uh, and so I didn't have to lift the buck up, but I did have to pull him up that hill a little bit. Uh, but I used a rope in my truck to help me do that. And that, that wasn't a, a huge deal. So then I got him into the truck, shut the tailgate. By this time it is, um, the sun is starting to set. Uh, and it's like October. So it's not like, you know, right now the sun, like, like in North Idaho, dude, it is, the sun is setting at like three forty-five right now in the afternoon because <laughs> how far North yeah. we are. It's annoying. And so, um, I get I, I, I get uh, the buck in the truck and I get uh, myself in the truck, start the truck up and I start driving down the road. And who do you think was sitting there? Was that um, backwoods North Carolinian dude who told me I'd never get a buck without dogs. And he saw me coming and he's still sitting in the back of his truck. Been there all day. Uh, him and his buddies. <laughs> and he'd been there all day. Still sitting in the back of his truck. He's probably got you know an 18 pack of beer already downed um and and he's got this shit-eating grin as he sees my truck coming back because he thinks i'm making the drive back home uh you know the the, the drive of shame empty-handed yeah. back home and and so i get up to his truck and he's sitting in the back and i kind of roll my window down and look at him and smile <laughs> and all of a sudden he he sees something in the back of my little ford ranger and it's those antlers and that buck, <laughs> shit-eating grin, went from shit-eating grin to how in the world did that happen? Because they've got nothing; they hadn't shot anything all day. Yeah. And he's like, "Hey, boy, how did you get that goddamn beer in the back of your truck?" You know, and he just <laughs> asking me questions. I just kept driving too. I like didn't want. I was I was in too much pain, and I was too yeah. exhausted uh, to to stop and, and be friendly and chit chat. So uh, I just kept on going, and and he just looked at me and like wonder and he didn't even know the circumstance of my recent surgery and so he doesn't even know how hard that was he had no idea yeah. um, and so to this day man i have made pack outs and hikes and backcountry trips and stuff like that you know in, in treacherous western terrain up and down mountains elevation gains and losses slipping down you know rock faces and, and all sorts of crazy insane stuff that i've done to this day, that is still my most difficult pack out on a buck ever. Um, 300. That's yards. my, that's my, uh, there you go, man. That's my story on, that's on uh, it, my man. first white tail. That's a, that's an amazing story. And I want to just say, I, I'm assuming I'm making an assumption here that the boys made it out just fine. And the swamp water was neither here nor there. 
Yeah. So for, I don't know what happened. Um, I obviously they got soaked, right. And yeah. all my bandage bandaging got soaked and like the, the doc, even I had to go back in for like a checkup or whatever, a week later, he's like, what the fuck happened to these bandages? <laughs> like, why are they all blackish? And, and like, what is this? And I kind of explained the story to him, you know, in a quick little nutshell there. And uh, he kind of thought it was funny. He was a good old boy uh, for a doctor yeah. and and uh, thought it was pretty funny and and just rebanished me. And he checked it out. He's like, you're lucky that didn't get infected. Like, I can't believe it didn't get affected. But nothing yeah. happened. Nothing ever got infected in it. And, God, and that's so amazing. I, uh, I waddled around for like two more weeks and, and uh, they healed up fine. And uh, my biggest concern is they told me, you know, this could affect having kids if, if it doesn't heal right and blah, blah, blah. Nope. Uh, work just fine for that. I've got two great daughters <laughs> that uh, yeah. love dearly, and and so, um, yeah, they it it everything's fine, and it never happened again. You know, I I uh, I did buy like tidy whitey underwear to run in uh, for the rest <laughs> of my time in the Marines, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, those nice nice tidy whitey bastards that it would just keep them keep those giblets from you know juggling around too bad so that's what that's i did so crazy that is so crazy man. yeah I was, yeah when you told nobody's me you ever even there, heard of it as soon as you shot that deer in your story i was like oh no he's got to get that out uh and then the swamp yeah yeah it was yeah, nuts. Nuts. <laughs> yeah I, unintended right I, I yeah <laughs> i would never <laughs> do that i would never do that today i like my yeah. the with uh you know i'm getting old now i'm 42 now um so this is we're, we're talking over 20 years ago at this point and uh everybody does dumb stuff i guess when they're young and and that was that was one of the dumber things i did because i i did man halfway back to my truck there were times i i considered um again you know uh leaving that buck and and going and getting a buddy or something to help me get it out uh but running the risk of coyotes getting it and I thought about alligators. driving down and alligators. Uh, I thought about driving to, yeah, the alligators are something else, man. I'd be bass fishing on these rivers and all of a sudden I, I'd be fishing off of one side of my boat and I turn around and there's an alligator like just floating in the water. And one of them, I nailed him in the head uh, with my paddle <laughs> because, uh, you know, on a, you know, when you have a boat, you got to have a paddle on there or whatever for the, for the safety. So I had this big wood paddle. And he was just kept swimming up to my boat. And I was, what the hell, man? This thing's like seven feet long. I didn't know anything about alligators and I didn't have a gun or anything. And I was panicked. Like, is he going to crawl on my boat and eat me? So I grabbed, I grabbed that paddle whack and knocked him right over the head. And he went underwater and never saw him again. There you <laughs> so, go. <laughs> <laughs> Some other fisherman uh, was probably feeding him guts or something. Yeah, probably he. Yeah. Yeah, that was nuts. North Carolina was something else, man. It was something else, but yeah, that's that funny. Was... I have a buddy who uh he went elk hunting with me this year for a late November hunt, but then he went right back to North Carolina and he just blasted a couple of does. Like like you said, you get a bunch of tags with the North Carolina yeah. license. Yeah, hell yeah. So he went out for two days, got two does. So his freezer's full. So he's, yeah, he's a happy guy. There, there were deer. I mean, they have a lot of deer. Uh, they're not very big, but uh, well, I, and I think as you get over towards the Smoky Mountains and, and that western part of North Carolina, uh, the deer, they get bigger. Uh, I went over there and tried to hunt a couple times, but I never had enough time to commit to it. Uh, but they do get bigger. And, you know, uh, I, I don't know legality wise if you can, if the whole state's like that, but where I was at, you can, you can shoot six deer on one tag. That's and, awesome. 
yeah, every deer you you just kind of there was this little extra this little notch for each deer you got, and you just notched it the day you got it, and yeah, it was cool. It was cool. I never yeah, shot I, six deer in one season though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. So I've uh, I'm moving to Texas, but I did live there for a year previously, and I know that their tags you buy the super combo or whatever it's called, and you get I think four deer, like mm-hmm. one mule deer, three different turkeys, like maybe four turkeys like three eastern one rio i don't know but you get all sorts of stuff for pretty reasonable you know 70 bucks or something like that you so. get like an ostrich tag and a lion tag <laughs> yep absolutely absolutely <laughs> Jim, man that was a great milk. story it is it is i'm i'm excited i'm hoping to take advantage of some of that crazy hunting they have i know finding access is the hardest part so i'm, I'm hoping to get yeah. through that yeah for sure well hopefully you got um, a bunch of money Ah, well, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, but I do have a buddy <laughs> who has a buddy who has a uh, an Audad ranch. So hopefully we'll be going to Audad. Mm. So let me know, man. Let me know. Hit me up. I'll come down there. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, <laughs> Jim, man, that was a great story. Uh, I don't know if you want to recall it right there. Save some for another day, or if you have some other stories you want to tell us, we can go as long as you want, man. I can tell. I can tell one more story about a and that has kind of a little a lesson for hunters in terms of like hunting ethics. If you want, let's do it. I, yeah. No, you want to do that? Yeah. One more. How long we've been recording here? I, I don't even know, but uh, I'm, I'm good for one. Not more long enough. This. Not long okay. enough. Yeah. So the other story um, is, is so I, I want to tell it because I think it's important for people to hear how sometimes, how sometimes things can play out in a sense of when we're thinking about as you know, a big, let me, let me start this way. You know, a big topic on my, on my show is, is the way like hunters treat each other and, and the way we interact with each other. And you've seen it on social media, the way that, um, oh, you shoot a 6.5 creed more where, where, you know, where's your man bun because I shoot a 308 <laughs> or a 300 wind mech. Or you're a bow hunter versus a rifle hunter versus a muzzle loader, you know, and the shit we give each other. Hunters are very uh, opinionated kind of people, and and which is good, but it's it's good and bad. I keep losing my headphones here. Um, so I, I I tell this story from a sense of not disparaging people for doing it this way hoping that people kind of get a lesson and, and being a little bit more cognizant about what they're doing and, and how they're affecting and how they're portraying hunting out there. So I, I think that's why I tell the story. Does that make sense how I'm explaining that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have some comments, but I'm going to save them for later. Cause I think this is awesome. So continue. Okay. So that the mule deer story, or I'm sorry, the whitetail story in North Carolina with the sore balls um, <laughs> that, that happened in like 99. And so I, I'm in the Marines uh, for for a lot longer than that. I I, I end up getting out in a, uh, in fact, a crazy story. I, I was supposed to get out. My EAS, my end of enlistment, was supposed to be um, like March 9th of 2003. Well, for anybody old enough, you might remember that it, on March like 18th or 19th of 2003, uh, the Iraq war started and that big invasion into, into Baghdad and taking over Iraq and kicking Saddam Hussein out and all that kind of stuff. 
that happened in the spring of 2003, the same spring I was supposed to EAS and get out of the Marine Corps. So do you think they let me out? Nope. No, sir. They made me stay. They said, in fact, we were already overseas, like chasing around terrorists and shit in like Africa. Uh, and, and we were supposed to be heading home and we get back on the ship in Africa. Um, and the captain comes over the ship and they're like, well, we got bad news for the Marines. We got to turn around. You guys were offloading you in Kuwait to go into Iraq. We're like, what, what is going on in Iraq? We don't even know that the, a war is about to start in Iraq. This is when they were doing that big buildup. You know, all the, all the troops are, you know, building up there in Kuwait prior to the war starting. So a week after I was supposed to get out, I'm stuck in Kuwait and the Iraq war begins. And we become one of the first units to cross into Iraq when the Iraq war started and did that whole initial drive into Baghdad uh, and, and was there for all that time. And then, um, I don't even know if I've told this story on my podcast, but anyway, uh, go through all that. And then by, you know, the end of 2003 or what, whatnot, I, they finally bring us home. Uh, actually it was mid 2003, bring us home, get us out of Iraq. We get on back on the ships, come home. Those of us that were supposed to get out in that time that were what is called stop lost. When you're on stop loss in the military, it means that you're past your enlistment, but they're making you stay in basically. Uh, they process us when we get home. They process us out of the military within like two weeks. So imagine, if you will, in like a 30-day time period, you go from combat to civilian life. That's what happened. Uh, so I get out, and I, um, I come home to Utah, and I'm no longer in the Marines, uh, no longer active and uh, everything was great. I was all excited. I was going to be a civilian again, you know, and, and I could do what I want. I don't have to get haircuts. I don't have to fucking shave. And guess what? I don't have to <laughs> run anymore. I never have to. I, I, I will never. And, and I, I, honestly, man, I keep myself in pretty good shape, but I have not gone on like a, some long run since I was in the Marines and I won't. And you, and you threw out all of your whitey tidies, right? I did. I threw out all the whitey tidies. <laughs> not not doing those anymore, and I, I'm not going on runs anymore. And I'm never getting testicular torsion ever again. That's I just was <laughs> over it, man, over it. So uh, I get out, and I didn't. I I actually I I got out, and because you know of the war and everything else that had gone on, I really gave no thought to what I was going to do with my life. Once I got out, all I knew is I got out and I was a civilian again and had to figure out what the hell I was going to do with my life. I'm like 23 at this point. And so uh, a buddy of mine, Adam, uh, owned a construction company up in Spokane, Washington, and which is right next door to North Idaho. This is how I ended up in North Idaho. Okay. Uh, Spokane, Washington is right on the border of Idaho and, and Washington. And a uh, cool little town. He had a company up there and him and I had been buddies since we were just little kids. And so he's like, Hey man, you can come up here and work construction with me. Um, and I thought, okay, I'm going to do that while, while I go to college and I'll work for you. And, and I got the GI bill to help pay for college, uh, and all this stuff. Well, uh, side note, the GI bill did not pay my college. I have student loans because the GI bill ended up paying for my nights out and liquor, uh, bad idea little piece of advice for some of you younger dudes getting out of the military. Don't use your GI bill to go to the bar. That's what I did. <laughs> so, um, I move up to Spokane, Washington. 
and I'm living in Spokane. In fact, I'm living in my buddy's like basement. He's got this basement room and everything. And he let me stay there. Uh, and I, this, this, I ended up being like the spring of 2004. Uh, but I, I don't remember. It was like six months to get your residency in Washington. And I was, I was obviously like any other time in my life, super excited to go hunt deer. And that fall, I, I get my deer tag and, and, you know, I'm working for my buddy, Adam, I'm in college. I'm doing all this, like I'm doing night school for college, you know, cause I'm working during that. We're framing houses and shit for, for him. Um, anyway, get a deer tag. Uh, this is after I'd been scouting, um, Washington for, for the, a couple of particular units that I was interested in hunting, found some big bucks. Um, it was really weird, man. Back then they had this stipulation, uh, like a, like a limit. Uh, what do they call that? A point limit for when you when you draw a deer tag in that area, there was like some units had to be a minimum of two point. Other units had to be like a minimum of three points. And this unit that I really wanted to hunt was like a bigger one. I can't remember. This is, again, almost 20 years ago. I can't remember what it was, but it was like either four or five point buck in order to shoot it. Yeah, it was was a legal buck. It was an insane limit. Like I, it's the mm-hmm. only place I've ever seen this. And so you really had to be careful with what you were doing. But I did find a couple of five point bucks and these were mule deer on the plains of Montana. You don't think of the plains in, in uh, when, when people think of Washington, not Montana. I'm sorry. Sorry, Montana. I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> I'm talking about Washington. Uh, plains, Montana isn't very far from me. So I always think of that. But I'm on the plains of Washington, which you we, you start heading towards Seattle out of Spokane. <clears throat> and Washington goes from the Evergreen state to looking more like a little less flat of a kansas and uh yeah and hot and hot as hell too i I lived in seattle for about four years and when you get over the cascades it is flat and hot and in the winter cold it's cold it's cold as well get out super cold it's actually really cool mule deer country um yeah washington has some absolutely just epic hunting areas uh, and, and I think it's an underrated hunting state there, there, there's some great opportunity in Washington. Um, I have, I have some points that I'm, uh, debating whether or not I'm ever going to get around to, because you have to buy the license before you can get the yeah, points. They don't, they don't make it easy for non-residents, man. They don't make yeah. it easy for residents even, but, uh, for non-residents it's, it's even harder, but yep. Washington yep. has, Washington has some great opportunity hunting wise. And, uh, it's, it's too bad. They manage it the way they do especially with their commission recently getting rid of the spring bear uh, season and all that. Anyway, yeah. I won't, I won't get yeah. off topic. <laughs> I get this tag and I'm out in this area. Uh, I don't want to give it away because right? it, it really is a good spot, but it's not, I'll, I'll give people a hint. It's towards Seattle, but not very far from Spokane. Like you'd be there in less than an hour. Um, give or take, not super far off of I-90. Anyway, I'll, uh, I draw I'm gonna, that. I'm going to guess after we'll, we'll shut down the recording and I'm going to guess after since okay. I have hunted okay. roughly that area. All right. We'll talk about it. Um, and, and I had, I had dialed in this area where I knew there, there were these, uh, you, you know, the hunt was taking place. I, I want to say it was a late September deer hunt. So the muleys were still, uh, early October, maybe, but they were still battered up. Right. And, um, and, and they're still, I, I kind of had, I had a handle on a couple of different groups of bachelor bucks that were hanging out. And so to kind of give people an idea, the country is very much wide open with hills and like these 
uh, empty river bottom kind of country, you know, real, real open, not, not a lot of timber, uh, almost, almost plainsy Kansasy looking, but not, not as flat. Right. So I had hiked in, I'd found this, this area and I'd hiked in and I'd located this batch of group of bucks. And, and the leader of the group was this big five point buck. He was a good buck. Uh, parked my truck and and I walked like a mile into where I knew these bucks were hanging out. I, I did some uh, preseason scouting, knew where they were at. Uh, and I was this dude that was like a buffalo uh, farmer. He owned these buffalo, he bison, uh, actually let me camp on his property. And so his name is Mike. Shout out to Mike. I don't know. I don't know if he, you know, even still around. He was an older guy. <laughs> I helped him with some carpentry work on his little barn. And for that in trade, he would tell me where the deer were and let me camp on his property. So uh, that's how that whole thing went down. But anyway, I go out there and I locate this herd uh, or not herd, but uh, this little batcher group. There's like four or five bucks, but only one's a, a legal shooter. There's a five point. Um, and, and I'm kind of working my way through this river bottom. I did not know the country very well. And again, this is another story where this is prior to Onyx and, and, and all the, all the mapping systems out there available. Uh, I start, I start making my way in, into this group and, and I notice the bucks are just kind of milling around on top of this hill, but I had to close the distance. I was way, I was like 500 yards away. And uh, I'm, I, I say back then, I wasn't confident taking that shot. You know, honestly, I wouldn't today. I, I, I usually max out. I'm more, I'm more of an archery hunter. So I, I max out rifle wise at about, you know, 400 yards or so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I wouldn't ever take a shot past three, but I am by no means a marksman with my rifle. So yeah, I, it's, I it's, it's interesting, man. I, I, I'm actually a third award expert rifleman in the Marines, but that was all open sights iron sights you know i i so scopes are like this foreign thing to me i'm still learning how to do them i got i got a buddy uh that's uh he's actually coming on the show soon to talk about this real technical further shooting you know distance shooting uh him and i he's been on the show a few times so anyway i i, I that's that's where my limitation was i i didn't want to shoot probably back then i probably didn't want to shoot past 300 yards but this this they were like 500 so i needed to close the distance Again, I don't know the terrain very well. I don't know. Uh, it's not like I'm out in the woods in the on some forest. This is all BLM land, and there's highways and there's uh, you know spotty agricultural private spots and plots and things you had to be aware of. I'd been hunting coyotes out there all summer and had a heyday with coyotes. Anyway, <laughs> so I start working my way in, and I'm I'm kind of uh, trying to close the distance on this five point. And he's not like a monster five point. He's just, he simply is a legal buck. And that's because I am not a trophy hunter. I, I, I shoot, I shoot, uh, I'm not a brown, if it's brown is down guy, but I'm also not a, I, I'm only going to shoot a, you know, 200 class buck or whatever. Not, it's not my thing. Uh, and it's even worse for elk, poor elk. I feel bad for elk. If they have antlers, they're going down. Uh, deer, <laughs> I'm a little more picky. So anyway, start closing the distance. Uh, well, at some point, something, and it wasn't me, something had spooked these, these bucks and they, that hill I told you they were milling around on, um, was like this big bare open hill with like sagebrush and, and like this, this wheat grass kind of thing growing on it. And they got a little nervous and it's not like they were shitting and getting, but, but they kind of started meandering to the other side of this hill and to the other side where I couldn't see them. And so I had to drop back down in a river bottom 
and which was an empty empty riverbed right and and i used yeah. it to kind of cover my movement and i start i start trucking it closer to this hill and i knew that they because they weren't moving fast i i made a a, a bold assumption that they'd just be on the other side of this hill and standing there so i make my way up the hill on the other side and sneak up and start kind of coming around it's like again it's like a round hill so i start uh you know side hill on this thing over to the other side to see if i could find these deer and i i was right they were there they, they were on the other side they had no idea i was there and the big buck the five point is standing behind this little forked horn so I, di I didn't have a shot at first and, and at this point they're like 80 yards from me uh, and, and I'm like, okay, cool. I'm just going to wait for that little fork to move. Or if the big buck kind of, you know, makes his way up a little higher, I've got a clear shot, 80 yards, super easy. I've got a rifle and scope. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to make a great shot on this buck and, and drag him back out through that river bottom. What I didn't know, Mike, is there was a highway on the other side of this hill that I, I didn't even notice it when I walked around it and found the deer. And so I, um, and I'm not talking about, it's not like a dirt road. This is an actual highway, two lane highway. Did you, was it like busy or no, because you no, not hear, like, busy, not, no, it, not, not busy at all because I didn't hear any traffic. And, and that's kind of part of the story. It's not like anybody was on, it's just an old, you know, County kind of road out in the, yeah. out in the middle of nowhere kind of thing. Um, but I think it's important to point out that it wasn't a dirt road. Obviously I don't know that there's a state. Uh, in, in the in the United States where it's legal to shoot from the road. Um, I could be wrong about that, but I, I'm pretty sure it's illegal everywhere. Anyway, yeah, I know it's illegal in Washington. I know so in Colorado and Texas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I make my way. Uh, I make my way around this hill, and I've got this buck in my sights. I'm just waiting for him to clear from this forked horn, and all of a sudden I hear this truck. This is if you've listened to my show, you know that I hate Dodge pickups. <laughs> this is one of the reasons why I hate Dodge pickups. Big, stinky, gosh, damn Dodge pickup. I hear this thing coming down the highway. And all the deer hear it, too, and they kind of raise their heads and they're watching the highway. No big deal. But I'm like, oh, crap. I hope this truck. I didn't know the highway was there. I thought I was like almost, you know, backcountry status because I'm, I'm a mile from where I parked my truck on a different road. And um I'm watching the deer. I'm, I'm kind of panicking that they're about to spook and wait. I'm wishing that two point would step out of the way so I could shoot the five point and this truck's coming. And I'm like, ah, oh, man, I hope they don't spook the buck. I hope they don't spook the buck. Uh, and, 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 and just to put it into perspective, the highway is probably a hundred yards from where we're at down the hill, down at the bottom of the, this hill. Uh, now, you know, we're probably 200 feet up uh, elevation wise. Gotcha. Truck Truck comes up, notices a buck, stops. Some dude sticks his rifle out of the window of the truck and drops oh, my no. And uh And interestingly, from what I found out later, they knew I was there. Uh, they, they knew I was there and I was hunting those bucks, but they didn't give a shit. They, they had an opportunity to come up and shoot this, this buck right out from underneath me. The reason I know yeah. they were there is because I was wearing bright orange and I asked them and they told me, oh, yeah, well, no, we saw you, but we, we just figured you couldn't see them. Right. I believe you. So basically, they, they get out of the truck. They park the truck on the side of the highway and start coming up and they're high fiving and, you know, and all the I other deer buggered off. Oh, right? yeah, they boogie. They're, yeah. they're gone. Yeah. None of none of the other ones are legal. The biggest one in the group 
besides that five point was like this little three by three, you know, mule deer buck, whatever, just a young guy. Uh, and, and, in you know, I wasn't after that anyway, I, I really did want a bigger buck. Um, these guys get up to the deer and I, I close the distance to make my way to them. And, and they noticed me all of a sudden they thought I'd left or something and they get their, their faces turned ghost white when I walk up and I said, well, nice, nice shot. You got the buck. And they kind of had this look of relief and they're like, Oh, thanks. Thanks. I appreciate it. And then I, I told them, I'm going to give you guys about 30 seconds to get the fuck out of here because you're, you're, and you're taking this buck. You're because I don't want to. I, I, I will not be taking a buck that I didn't shoot, but you better get this thing gutted and get the hell out of here because I'm calling a game warden. You shot from the highway. You knew I was there. And, and this is after the, I'd asked him if they knew. Yeah, we saw you, uh, but we figured you'd kind of left or whatever. And, and, and so I, I told him, I flat, flat out told him, you guys, you know, I, I've been, I'm in this, I was pissed, man. I'm, I'm over sure. a mile. You know, it's, it's hot. It's a hard hunt. It's a, it's a very limited kind of uh, opportunity unit uh not a lot not a lot of deer up there and and uh, i i've been work i've been scouting and working for this buck i there was this one and there was another little five point that i knew of that were the only two legal bucks in this entire unit that i had located personally and these guys pull up like a bunch of jackasses and shoot them off the highway uh right out from underneath me so the i and and they did they heard i even helped them gut it i i even helped them gut this deer and I said, get the hell out of here. I'm, I, I'm already calling the game warden. And I did have a cell phone at this point. Uh, they didn't know I didn't have service at that point, but I did call the game warden and <laughs> I gave him the license and description of the truck. Cause I, and, and I, I'm not like a tattletale man, but at the same time, we have to police ourselves. Like why in the hell are we just road hunting off a highway? If, if that would have been, and this is why I emphasize the fact that this was a, you know, a highway and not a dirt road. If that would have been a dirt road and I felt like they didn't know I was there, I would have scolded them. Had I to call the game warden? Probably not, man. Probably yeah. not. I'm, I, and I'm just being totally honest. Is it still wrong? Yeah, absolutely. It's wrong. You don't shoot from the truck. But what I call the game warden now, I am not going to say that I've done that from a dirt road. And I'm not not going to say that I've done that from a dirt road when I was younger. Right. And, and I, I think that anybody that has, uh, you know, swears up and down, that's never happened or whatever is, is full of it. Um, we've all been there, especially those of us that grew up in the nineties, come on now. Uh, but, but the thing is, is from a paved highway, they knew that Hunter was there. It, it was just a shit show. And I'm sorry. That's it's unacceptable behavior. And, you know, they destroyed my hopes and dreams temporarily. I say temporarily because a week later, <laughs> I found another nice ass buck and it happens to be the biggest mule deer I've ever shot. And it was in the state of oh. that year. <laughs> so they did me a favor. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, but I, I just wanted to highlight that because I think that um, especially, you know, here it is December. We're coming out of a lot of these hunting seasons. Uh, we still got, uh, you know, a few tags open here and there, but uh, we're coming up on Christmas and this is always that time of year that you see on like social media, things start getting heated up. Oh, the, these people ruined my hunt. Oh, these people stepped on my toes. Oh, they took my spot and blah, blah, blah. And, and there's a lot of complaining going on and rightfully so in a lot of cases. Uh, but I think it's important and it's a good time to remind people that, you know, 
as hunters, we're all on the same side and it's important that we stick to the ethical behavior and the ethical side of things. And I'm not talking about ethics following laws to a T. I'm talking about the, the etiquette part of ethics. Absolutely. Being an, yeah. a, a hunter that has etiquette and respect for other hunters. There is the ethics conversation that I think is also important. But to me, treating, treating other hunters that are on your team, when we have so much opposition on the anti-hunting organization side, treating other hunters with respect and having the etiquette and respect for their, their area. And I know I, I shouldn't say their area. A lot of this is public and public land hunting. I agree. It's public land. It's our land. However, they got there first, go to plan B, go to plan C, keep looking Absolutely. until you found your own drainage, your own mountain, your own field, your own, whatever you're hunting, but don't step on people's toes. And don't shoot deer from out from underneath them. Don't purposely harass an area or purposely harass a hunter. Don't trespass. Don't, you know, all these things. I think that it is, it's a conversation that people are afraid to have and there's not enough of it going on. And so I wanted to tell that story to remind people that there's two sides to each story. And, and when you're, when you're wrecking somebody's hunt, you have no idea how much time, money, effort, and planning they put into it. And, and like, I do a lot of planning for my hunts and, and, and especially because now I take my kids and my girls go out with me. And if somebody jacks up a hunt because they're rude and disrespectful and don't have any freaking eth- etiquette, I have no patience for it. And that yeah. is what's going to kill us in the future. So hopefully there's a lesson in there. I think there is. I absolutely think there is. In fact, uh, it reminded me of this last November on a late season elk hunt. And, um, the, we, we were driving around and my buddy, like every time we drive by and someone passes on our right, I start talking to him. We have this big conversation on the left. My buddy just can't quite connect with them. And, and he's like, well, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I just ask him, you know, how you doing? Having a good time. And then the second question I always ask is like, okay, well, where are you going? I don't want to stomp on your toes. We're all out here having a good time. And all of a sudden yeah. I'm getting into 15 minute conversations with people telling me where they have a, a bull tag and I have a cow tag. And they're like, well, I saw a bunch of cows that way. Like, let me show you. In fact, this one guy, I was like, I have a cow tag. He's like, oh, me too. But I did find a bull. And I'm like, well, one person in my hunting party has a bull. And he walks us 200 yards to a, a glassing point and points us at a bull. And it's the only stock that we got on that entire trip. So just being kind, you know, having yeah, conversations. Yeah. And like, if you roll up on someone, ask what their plan is so that you don't stomp on their toes. It goes a long way. Like he put us on the best stock we had for the entire hunt, unsuccessful hunt in the long run. But the most fun we had was meeting that guy, talking to him, pointing at a bull and then going and chasing that bull. So like, it's all about working together. Uh, it really is. And there's a way, there's a way to, to, um, if it is crowded out there and I know that gets frustrated or I'm sorry, I know it gets frustrating, but there is a way to use hunters to your advantage when you're deer hunting. And I'm talking specifically deer hunting without being a dick, without being, you know, wrecking their hunt, let them have a shot at that area. What you could do and on X makes this super easy, man. Deer are so predictable especially mule deer they're so predictable find where they're gonna funnel when those hunters chase them out of that drainage or off that mountain yep there it's gonna be super obvious get the contour lines out find the easiest way off that mountain and set up way away from those other hunters and you know they may get that buck and and you should go congratulate them and maybe help them pack it off or they may 
chase that buck right to you. The point is, is you're not ruining their stock. You're not ruining their yeah. effort. You, let them because, ruin themselves, right? Yeah. Let, <laughs> most likely, most likely, most hunters are going to ruin that stock. They're, they're going to ruin it. And they're going to chase that deer out of there. You just got to know how to understand deer and know how to, you know, find where they're funneling out of there and take advantage of it. Uh, you don't, you don't have to be a jerk and walk up and in, in their shit. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's a super effective strategy. And then beyond that, just what's wrong with just being a kind person, right? Yeah. You, you'll make some friends that way, man. Yeah, absolutely. And I've actually made some friends just walk into the woods and talk yeah. to people and be like, Hey, and of course having a podcast, one guy was telling me how he like, in the area we were hunting years ago, saw someone rolling around on a riding lawnmower. Like that's he was, that's what he's riding instead of an ATV. And I was really? like, "You sir, you got to get on my podcast." And so he's connected with me. So we'll we'll have that episode eventually. But like, I'm making friends just talking to people in the woods. Like the, everyone out there is yeah. having I hopefully having a good time, right? And yeah, I mean, most of the people you meet on the mountain that are out there hunting, especially like. You know, bow hunters, they kind of stick together. You know, rifle hunters, they stick together. You know, I'm an all around, I'll hunt with whatever, man. In fact, Same. I'm, I've been chasing a cow with a muzzle loader lately. <laughs> and so, <laughs> um, you know, all that kind of stuff, it, it all, it all, we're all on the same page. We're all on the same team. So if you took those individuals off the mountain and put them like in a bar down in town, you guys would be friends. You guys would be buddies. Yeah. Most likely you would be buddies. There's a lot of like-mindedness. So don't, don't take that mindset of this guy that, that, you know, if you met him at the bar or, or, you know, at work or something that you would be, you would be buddies and all of a sudden up on, on the mountain, because you think he's in your spot just because he beat you there. Yeah. Don't turn into an asshole about it. Yeah. Which is and also like you why said, you have multiple plans. If you, if you find out what his plan is, then you have more information than he does, which means you can exactly. take that mountain a little bit more effectively. So Jim, yeah. man, this was fun. I'm, I'm yeah, having good a great times, time, man. Um, let's let's go ahead and wrap this up. We've been going for a while here, and I know you got plenty of more stories, but uh, we'll just have to have you back on. So, Sweet, man, yeah, let me know. Yeah, yeah. Typically, at this point, what we do is you kind of tell the people where they can find you. You know, I know that you got your podcast. If there's anything else you want to mention, your sponsors, whatever it might be, feel free. Uh, well, yeah, the, the, the two biggest things I usually direct people to are the podcast, which you could find the Western Huntsman podcast, anywhere podcasts are downloaded. Um, and, and on Instagram, that's kind of where I keep everybody up to date, uh, which is at the Western Huntsman. And you can also, we, we have a really lame website that I'm too cheap to upgrade, <laughs> uh, the Western Huntsman.com. Um, but yeah, everything is at, at the Western Huntsman, uh, and, and you guys can feel free to check us out and listen to our show and. You know, when I say we, it's it's basically just me. But uh, I, I always, <laughs> I do that same I always, shit. it's just me. But I say we all the time. <laughs> but I I do throw out uh, we are we are officially with Eastman's Hunting Journals. So uh, the Western Huntsman is is a cool. in the Eastman's Hunting Journals family, and Eastman's has a lot of great things for Western hunters. Man, uh, check out the Tag Hub and check out the Mule Deer Course, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's great, great folks over there, and so I'm I'm really proud to be supporting them and having them support me that's awesome jim yeah and uh, i told you already but the uh the school of september it's something unique that you do coming up to elk season uh you bring the best of yeah. the best of the elk hunters online and and man I, every year i listen to every single episode so if you guys oh, want, awesome thanks man go no i'm not kidding uh it's it's a staple of my like preseason prep so <laughs> don't, don't don't cut that out jim 
Well, um, I, oh, no, he, stay tuned, man. We've got we've got big plans for school of September for 2023. School September is going to be a big deal. Yeah, that's awesome. That's cool. All right, man. Well, hey, thank you. This has been fun, and uh, yeah, thank you. you know, we're gonna have you back. And if you if you hear of anybody else who has some great stories, send them my way, Jim. I'll keep you posted, brother. I got. I I, right. I probably do. Yeah. All right. All right, man. Thank you again. I appreciate your time. All right, guys. That's it. Another couple of stories in the books. I want to thank Jim so much for jumping on the podcast. He couldn't have been more. Um, kind and inviting and he he really shared something with you guys i'm not sure if he's shared that story with anyone else before it is a little embarrassing um but it teaches you something you know if you're gonna go jogging put on your whitey tidies so again jim thank you so much both of your stories were wonderful i can't wait to have you back on you're a national treasure um guys follow him i think it's the uh the western huntsman podcast is his podcast he's also on instagram i'm gonna put links to all that stuff in the show notes and then of course don't forget to follow us as well it's uh, hunting stories underscore official. And uh, yeah, I- I'm going to ask you, please share the podcast. I, I want to get this thing growing. I'm getting a lot of views or excuse me, listens, uh, and it's going really well. But there's more people out there that want to hear these stories. And uh, the only way that we're going to share it is with you guys spreading the good word. So that being said, guys, thank you very much. I do appreciate you all tuning in. Now uh, go make some stories of your own.